All right, hello, founders. Uh, welcome to another episode of the Gab Lab. It is great uh, to have you here. This is a show that shares financial intelligence that will not only blow your mind, but will build your bottom line. I'm your show host, Tony Woods Richardson, and today's episode is championed by our friends at Community Futures Manitoba, 16 offices across the province of Manitoba to help business owners uh, with their business and to help them nail the numbers. So today's episode, we are joined by Nail the Numbers Pro, Pamela Meager, Senior Vice President with MNP Limited. Welcome, Pamela. Great to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. Well, today's episode, it's, uh, it's long awaited by a lot of founders. I know there's a lot of questions that are coming up. Uh, and today we are talking all about debt and dealing with debt. And I'm sure this was a tough conversation to have before COVID, now through COVID. I feel like it's compounded the, the issue for people. So again, so appreciate you making the time to share your, uh, your insights with founders today across Canada. So uh, we talked about, for everybody that's tuning in, if you don't know what we do with each episode, this topic of debt, we're going to break it down into three segments so you can kind of digest the content as it comes out. Pamela, I think we talked about our three segments being the cost of debt, so kind of understanding that, uh, that application, then moving into how to better manage the debt that we have, and then some potential alternative solutions. So if you can't manage what you have, what your go-tos are with respect to, with respect to next steps. Does that sound about right? That sounds perfect. Yeah. Okay. Um, now, one of the things that I loved about your story when we were talking and getting about uh, getting to the why of doing what it is that you do, I hope it's okay that I share it here, but you used to be in um, the medical industry, right? It yeah. was ambulance driver? EMS. Yeah. EMS. EMS. And so you talked a little bit about the parallels between what you did then and what you did now or what you do now and kind of this life death situation, which a lot of people feel you don't see it as life and death when it comes to debt. But a lot of people in that stressor mode are like, uh, you know, what are my options? Can you speak to that a little bit and just that experience and how that how that bring that into MNP? Absolutely. It was um, I, I got into this career by by mistake, to be honest. Um, I had an injury, a back injury, um, that precluded me from continuing on because that was my passion. I loved being able to help people in a moment where they truly needed it. It potentially was life or death. So um, when I, my back injury would not allow me to get patients into the ambulance, it became a problem, obviously. Um, tried rehabbing, it just um, wasn't safe uh, for me to carry forward. So I had to find something new. And I thought, wow, what a difference, Monday to Friday, nine to five, what would that even feel like? So I applied, I got in an, an accounting firm. So adrenaline junkie to accounting. <laughs> what the heck, right? And then they have this little branch insolvency. And I was like, hey, I'm dying in the accounting world here. What else can I do? And that's when they introduced me to insolvency. I was like, well, if it doesn't have anything to do with accounting, let's give it a whirl. But then I realized when I started to meet with people that it is life or death for them as well. Like it's, it's typically their business, it's their passion, it's their baby, and they're losing it. 
So there is a lot of raw emotion. There is a lot of that, but I can provide them with some solutions. This is how you need to move forward. Um, hopefully we don't have to get involved. Maybe we do, but it doesn't matter. I'll, we'll walk with them that whole way and hopefully get them up and moving through the process. Um, again, no one wants to kind of be on it. I always explain it as I never meet people who are on typically a smooth road. They're always on a bit of a bumpy road. Especially in entrepreneurship, right? Always bumps, always bumps along the way. And yeah. if, if bankruptcy or insolvency has to be involved, that road is bumpy too, but it ultimately does have an end. So right. never really smooth sailing because you're not meeting me typically under those circumstances. Um, but, you know, there's a plan and, and someone to support you through that plan. And so I actually got that great feeling again that I'm able to help people that are emotionally in distress. Yeah, don't know exactly yeah who to talk to. It's embarrassing. Maybe it's, you've lost everything. So just getting them through, like, there's no shame in asking for help. Well, I think that's, I think that's huge, Pamela, the whole shame thing, you know, Mm -hmm. finances in general, especially in this country, I feel are cloaked in a lot of shame and a lot of guilt and a lot of secrecy. And so it's a big piece about why we're doing this episode specifically to let people know that they're not alone out there, right? Even before COVID, our our failure rates, you know, I I don't like to use that word, but it, it, there's a lot to be learned from failure. So it's not a bad word, but there's, uh, you know, it, we were experiencing an 82% failure rate due to poor financial management. So I think, first of all, no shame in it. It's about bringing it out in the open. And I'm just looking at one of the notes here um, that you shared with me. Your job is to help people avoid you, right? Like that's a, it's a, don't come to me when it's too late. Like, let's see what we can do to prevent all of that from happening. So let's, let's jump in with, you know, when we're starting to look at the costs of debt, uh, is it okay if we actually take a look at what is debt? Because I think people oftentimes associate debt with you know, credit cards and maybe lines of credit. But I know when we chatted, you're like, oh, there's, there's more to it than just that. So what do you consider debt? Debt, I would say, is anything, you know, you purchase um, iron for your big, your big equipment for your building. So all your leases, all your... Um, line operating lines you have and a lot of people miss or don't necessarily put into the budget um, your Canada Revenue Agency obligations so um, those ones sometimes get missed it's a lot of what I see people don't understand how that really affects your business and how it can really stop things almost immediately if you don't aren't aware of what those are Mm -hmm. of course your traditional type credit cards your fuel bills that you use if you run um, uh, fuel accounts, any kind of accounts like that, that sometimes people don't know exactly what me- it means when they decide to call those types of things and the importance of that. So a, a debt, I would just say anything that you need to continue to operate your business. Gotcha. That is, that is, that's you're taking from the past, right? That's sitting there in the, in the past. So accounts receivable, any past yeah. CRA, um, lines of credit, credit cards, you also talked a little bit last time about leases. Yes. Yeah. Le- leases are significant. Um, a lot of, I've worked with a lot of companies in the last probably year, year and a half, where they've had some fairly significant lease payments. And sometimes lease payments are not always just monthly. They can be quarterly, semi-yearly, um, just depending on what type of business you run. 
but those payments are significant. But with lease payments also come insurance payments, um, fuel repairs that go with that. So I've spent a lot of time with companies really looking at their assets to say, okay, do you need this? Is it a day-to-day equipment? Or is this maybe something you could rent for the one-offs that you use it? Therefore, you're reducing potentially your fuel, you're reducing insurance costs, you're reducing lease payments that are required. So it helps manage the cash flow a little bit better throughout the year. Obviously, cash is king, especially within this economy right now. And so anytime you can reduce some of that, it really will help your bottom line. So we've looked at that downsizing. Do you need, you know, three combines or do you just need these two or, you know, really having people look at their equipment? Because as you operate business, you just accumulate things as you go. Yes. Yes. And you can keep moving forward and that's okay. But sometimes when you start to have a little bit bumps in the roads, you got to look at those expenses to say, okay, I actually need to trim a little bit just to stay above water. And that's, yeah. So I've done quite a bit of work in that area with people is really looking at what you need versus is there any way to rent that or have a service come in and just provide it for you as a one-time cost versus carrying it the years. So, um, so if it feels like if we're going, if we get back to the topic of, of uh, debt, um, we're going through the different debts that people may have. So these, I don't want to, I'm going to use the word burden, but these are responsibilities that you're obligated to pay. You've probably amassed or accrued these numbers to date, right? Whether it's on the credit card or line of credit or the past CRA bills, both personal and business. I see a lot of founders that have neglected to pay their personal taxes from the draws or the dividends that they've taken mm-hmm. home. And I just want to make the distinction with lease because we got into a little bit about uh, potential expenses that are future-based, mm-hmm. but sometimes the, the, the burden of debt when it comes to a lease or maybe some of these other expenses, is that because it's tied into contractual obligations because people sign a year lease and now they're sitting, you know, one month into the year and now they would be financially obligated to pay back the, or, you know, to, to, to account for the 11 months that fall into the completion of that term. Is that what we're talking about? Is that how debt falls into? Yeah. Yeah. I would say most leases are, um, you know, that three to five year. Okay. You've committed to a three to five year payment, right? whether your business can produce the income to cover those lease payments, you still have to figure out how to make it right. Especially um, what I see is you have a big piece of equipment. It breaks down. Yeah. You have to come up with the repairs, but now you've lost that income that that piece of equipment. So I'll say a semi is pretty common when I zoom on. So your semi breaks down off that semi is not generating money. You're now starting to look at your other areas of business to pull money into cover what this semi can't do. And now you have to come, Mm. you know, $30,000 to fix the engine because you can't, you know, so it's um, a lot of people will budget for it when it goes perfectly smoothly, but they don't necessarily budget for a repair, major repair, you know, changing a tire tires on a semi is not a small cost, right? Right. Fuel change in itself is significant, right? So it's really making sure when you're taking on those big bites on leases, you're looking at projections as far as making sure you're putting in a buffer for 
repairs for tires, for oil, for all the things associated with that upgrading equipment. And that's sometimes what people miss and they think, well, it's a brand new piece of equipment. It'll be covered. I see a lot of time it is not. So just being a little bit of aware of those types of things and then budgeting accordingly. Beautiful. And I think, you know, that that ties into uh, to comments that we've heard in past episodes. And what, you know, one of the things that I love about having um, experts on our pros like you is, you know, all of you really do say the same thing. It, it, it's about in, in your own unique way, but it it is about understanding the numbers, understanding the costs and consequences. You know, we had uh, we had a, we had Dustin on that was talking all about equipment. And to that point, he's like, you have to budget your downtime. Right, you have to make sure that this isn't an op- and a piece of equipment that's going to be running at 100% capacity. You have to budget that in and understand the costs and consequences. Um, and so, I, I love that this message is getting repeated because sometimes these messages we need mm-hmm. to hear them over and over again from different people in different ways so that they finally land and we start calculating calculating the numbers. Okay, now I know this is an area of of passion for you and you opened up a lot of uh, windows for me, the blinders came off when we started talking about the obligations and the costs associated with this debt. So I think a lot of people start thinking about um, obviously the interest cost that's attached to debt and, and what are the penalties there. But tell me a little bit about you started to get into this understanding of our, our liabilities and our responsibilities as directors yes. of a company. And I think maybe for the founders listening in, we might need to clarify who is a director because it's not, it's not necessarily just the business owner, right? The manager. So maybe clarifying who that is and what their obligations and responsibilities are to the debt. Yeah, absolutely. I spend a lot of time with self-employed or owner operators of a smaller um, corporation and even right up to the bigger corporations. It's director's liability is something it's it's can be very complex to understand, but it is extremely, extremely important. And I am this is one of my sweet spots. I do really sometimes I think, oh, my God, Pam, like, why are you so excited about learning about this stuff? But it is so, so important um, to be successful going forward to understand these obligations. So director's liabilities are um, debts that the company, the corporation and or a sole proprietor, it will fall back to you as a director. So being a director is there's a lot more skin in the game for sure from a Canada Revenue Agency perspective. Directors are personally liable for source deductions, payroll, GST, which or whichever province you might be in HST. If you're in um, a, a bar or where you serve liquor, the liquor tax. So you really have to ensure you're on top of those obligations when you're operating a company. Because if the company can't pay those debts, First of all, their collection activity is can be quite aggressive as well. They don't necessarily have to go through the same channels as a credit card or a fuel company. They can simply just issue what's called a requirement to pay. That's what they call a garnishee. And your bank account is frozen immediately. So this is the bank account that's frozen. And the, the, uh, the sorry, I'm going to call them a lender, but the, the, the lender who has the power to do this, is this just CRA or is it? Anyone. Just Canada Revenue Agency. And of course, for PST, for here would be the pr- province of Saskatchewan. 
Um, but okay. you know, as each province, they, they will have right. their regulator, but for those types of taxes, yes, they can just simply issue those. Obviously now, if your account is frozen, it's very difficult to operate your business. No doubt. Right? No doubt. Um, and so what they can collect from the company, so they can go after bank accounts and they can seize assets that aren't secured by other lenders. Um, they will go to you personally for whatever's left over. And that's actually what I see a lot of. Probably 50% of what I file every month is due to their director's liability for the payroll or the GST in our, or PST in our province. So it is has a significant impact to our business here. Because it's one that you can forget about quite easily. Right. So two things there, I think just diving into it, I can, I... <laughs> I'm feeling tense in this conversation. I'm sure that founders are probably their tummies, stomachs are dropping in this conversation. CRA must have a, a process that they go through that would enable them to actually enact that, 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 um, that decision of saying, we're freezing your account. This shouldn't, my guess is, so please correct me if I'm wrong. My guess is this shouldn't come to a surprise to a founder to have their account frozen is probably because they've been neglecting communication or due process along the way, right? They're not going to wake up yeah. one morning and their account's frozen. Typically not, no. Um, so it's really important that you maintain correct information with Canada Revenue Agency and your provincial regulatory body so that they can always contact you because mm -hmm. even if they will use whatever's on their account last as true, and if they can't get you, that's maybe sometimes where a surprise comes in. Okay. And sometimes I see them, um, people kind of freeze sometimes when they get so stressful and it's not out of anything else. They just simply don't know what to do. Absolutely. So they kind of spin in circles a little bit and so don't necessarily communicate the best and that will instigate that. So typically you will get letters. Um, they don't email you anything. So an email address is not super helpful with them but they will send letters and they will attempt to call. So making sure you have that. And then sometimes even if you're talking and you just can't get going after some time, they still may issue that on the grounds that they are trying to force you to do something. Okay. Like, so, and this brings to light, um, actually just the, all of the, um, the, the scams, right. That are out there right now, right. With the calls. So yeah. how do we distinguish the, the true call, the, the authentic call from CRA versus the scamming call with, with um, those masking, um, and, and, and uh, mm. putting out there that their CRA and your, your social, uh, social insurance number has been breached and call us or there's uh, lawsuits out for your arrest. Uh, 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 right. <laughs> um, so is there something that a founder can actually watch for or listen for if, they're, if they've received a message or a voicemail from CRA? If they have reached out to you, they will typically leave you a, a contact number, but you can also verify with them. They all have a badge number. Like they all should be able to reference a badge number and a contact number back. They have kind of gone across Canada. So you won't necessarily in Saskatchewan get a 306 number back. Someone from okay. Manitoba, Alberta, BC could potentially be calling you. But I always say if someone's initiated that call, to say thanks, hang up on them, and then actually go through either the call the 1-800 number right from Canada Revenue Agency's website. Um, the 
customer inquiry line, I think they call it, but I would just reach back out to CRA directly. If you're ever unsure, don't necessarily share with the person initially on the call to say, thank you. I'm going to call my local office and see if this, and then you've initiated that call, you've called the legitimate number, and then you can verify that way. Okay, perfect. A lot of the time, the letters are like how they'll make initial contact is through a letter. Okay. And then obviously taking the information from that letter and then following up with the, the specifics that they've given you there. Um, and so just for founders, again, just to clarify who is actually recognized as a director, I would imagine they would refer to their articles of incorporation, right? These should be updated annually that are going to list the actual directors that potentially are on the hook. Uh, for the obligations of of all debts for the company, right? It, did I get that right? Is there something else? There, yeah, with directors, you can do through the corporation branch search and it will list your directors, your shareholders. Okay. So okay. different obligations for directors, shareholders, but your directors will be listed there. Directors only have that responsibility for those few debts or anything else they make themselves liable for. So whether they sign on as a personal guarantee on the operating line, so not okay. all directors might not be responsible for that because they didn't sign for that. So they have to have made themselves liable. But directors' liabilities, you were deemed liable the second you sign on. So a lot of people is like, well, I'll just resign. Okay, but you're still responsible for those debts from the time you started to the time you left, regardless of whether you resign or not. So you're not going to get away. So I always tell people with some due diligence on that, um, especially on the silent partner side, like if you're not actively involved in the company, yes. ensuring that those obligations are paid, not just seeing a check, but making sure it clears the bank account. I've seen that happen where the checks are provided, they sign off, but the checks are never sent in. So making sure they actually clear the company bank account. So whether that's through regular meetings of the directors or whichever, but if you're a silent partner or a lot of it, we have one's the paper side of the company and one is the guy who gets every, like that physically does everything. Yeah. So making sure those two communicate on a regular basis that the payroll is being remitted and paid because he, it's not 50, 50. Yes. So due diligence, yeah. Due yeah. diligence, check it every step of the way. I know that um, I've worked with business owners in the past who have lenders, angels, high net worth individuals putting money in and uh, not necessarily the angels, but people getting engaged in business and lending to business and thinking, you know what? I want to take an equity position in this business so that it protects my investment and I have a say with respect to votes at how this business is going yeah. to go, but failing to recognize their obligation financially for all the decisions and all of the debts incurred from that point that they they sign on so know what you're getting know what you're getting into yes yeah and if you're going to be that director just getting involved for sure getting involved so we talked about uh we've talked about what types of debts there are we've talked about the cost with respect to obviously the interest costs the the obligations specifically and and that cost going forward we also talked a little bit, not in this episode, but before we talked about your the cost of your ability to borrow in the future. So the debts that you're holding on to now, mm-hmm. how that impacts your ability to actually access capital going forward. Can you speak to that a little bit? Absolutely. So a lot of people when they, again, I kind of go back to the Canada Revenue Agency debt because it really has the most <laughs> big impact. Um, um, 
But if you do uh, go to a bank and you're looking for maybe to extend your operating line because things are a little tighter to allow you some wiggle room, lenders typically will shy away. And it's not 100% of the time, of course, but they will tend to shy away from you if you have that GST or PST or Canada Revenue debt outstanding because they understand that even if they lend to you and they have you have CRA debt, CRA debt will always come number one and they can never be number one. So they don't want to lend to you unless they know they have a, a security position. So you will run into a harder time borrowing or extending credit if you have some of those obligations to pay. Same as if you have um, some of your creditors maybe have got a little excited and, and started a statement of claim. Um, those will definitely add a little bit of a nick. So a statement of claim is the beginning part of their trying. They're going to sue you so that they can seize bank accounts or send notice or garnishy or anything like that. Other creditors have to do that. Siri doesn't. They just have to get a paper signed and it's issued. A statement of claim, if you're starting to see those to come through your company, you should really be speaking with someone fairly quickly because, again, they can change the game a little bit. And maybe it's a matter of just financing out that line of credit a little bit to get rid of the guy who's issued a statement of claim. I always kind of think of it as the person issuing the statement of claim may be in a little bit of hot water himself, so he's trying to get into there, right? So it's not necessarily that there's you're been bad or or anything it's just they they need the cash into their company and I'm seeing a lot of that it's not that I'm so mad at company ABC it's just like yeah I have to get cash flow in else I'm going to lose my company right so you're you're starting to see courts are opening up a little bit here in Saskatchewan I know it is different um, provincially but I'm starting to see a little bit more of that starting to happen when COVID kind of hit the courts laid off a lot of that but it's definitely the wheels are starting to turn again here. So if you're starting to see some of that stuff, but again, speaking to me doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be in a bankruptcy or proposal immediately. It's just, okay, have you considered trying this, this, and this, try these type, have you contacted these lenders, see if there's anything they can do to help you. Right. Cause we want to get you out of the hot water before it starts to boil. The fog. Uh, yeah, right? frog uh, in the boiling water. And I, you know, I love where you're you're taking this because we are getting into some of the um, the the managing, right? How we can actually start to manage some of this debt before we move into that segment. Can I ask you one more question? I think it, it's um, just on the cost. And in in my role as a lender back in the day, it was fascinating to me how many people signed this document without asking me what they were signing. And this is the personal guarantee or the promissory note and the cost of that, because I know a lot of founders out there right now are thinking, okay, well, if I have to close the business, I have to close the business, business goes insolvent, that's it, I get to wash my hands and me and my family, we're going to be all right, right? Mm -hmm. But maybe if you could just explain to our audience what a promissory note is and what the obligation or the cost of signing that note back in the day when they signed it what that actually means to them, not only as the owner, but as uh, from a personal perspective. Sure. Personal guarantees, promissory notes are very, very similar. Um, Basically, it's just saying that if, especially in a sole proprietor, it is you. So a lot of people will like, well, it's the company. But a sole proprietor is just Pamela Meager, 
Jiprock, right? Like it, it is just me, but they kind of get this, um, there is no separate entity. Like there is necessarily in a corporation. Um, partnership is the same thing. It's just you and you and me, we have a business together, but it's us personally. So you always have a personal guarantee in a sole prop and in a partnership, typically if I've signed for that as well. But in a corporation, when you start to sign personal guarantees, it does mean that should that entity not be able to pay whatever it might be, that they are gonna look to you for the remaining. There's all different kinds of levels of personal guarantees. It's almost impossible these days to have a lender lend to you without yeah. one. So it, it's not that try to find a lender that won't ask for one. Cause that would right. be very difficult. I think it was after 2008, 2009. That's when I noticed everybody attached personal guarantees. Yeah. To, 2008, to there was a huge spike in insolvency filings. So you can right. see where they did the corrections. Cause they probably learned right. a little bit through there that we lost quite a bit without it. Right. Now that doesn't mean that just wouldn't potentially have forced the people, but they, okay, how else can we protect? So this is what they've, and, and, and it's pretty common. So don't panic if you have them, just understand what they are. And, and I worked with a, a fellow a few years back. He had that personal guarantee, but we mitigated it. So it was a full guarantee for the loan. But as the company was more successful, we're like, okay, but maybe he can get a limit up $200,000 on his personal guarantee. Then as the company became more successful, we are like, went back to the bank. Hey, let's do drop this to $100,000. And we were eventually able to work out the personal guarantee because the bank felt more comfortable. It's a longer lasting business, the numbers have been good. So just being aware of where the personal guarantees, a lot of right. times you see leases for commercial space, you'll see them there. That's, we catch a lot of people that way. It's like, hey, if the company can't go, um, the one I'm working on right now, you know, it's $80,000 a month of a 10 year lease. He's two years in, right? So it's a significant amount going to drop back to them. And depending what the lease says, if they release, it probably will limit. But um, if it, it, like commercial space right now will be tough. So he's probably looking even at a year of that. That's a significant amount he's going to have to be responsible for. So the message I'm hearing in this is know what you're signing and yeah. do the math, understand the cost, because the personal guarantee, as you mentioned, is now they come after your personal assets to be able to, to, to mitigate some of that or get, get to recoup some of that expense. Right. So yep. um, now all your personal assets are on the line, your house, your car, your, you know, your investments. And so unfortunately I don't think enough business owners are actually really truly understanding what that document is and, and the costs associated with it before they, before they sign it. So thank you for, for clarifying that and making sure the intention of this episode is not to scare people it's about creating awareness as to where you are now and how you start mitigating some of this risk. And, you know, Pamela, when would you, I know we have two more segments to go in this, but when would people, when would you recommend people actually start reaching out to you? Because I think people probably leave it way too late. Absolutely. And, you know, and it's, the longer you leave it, sometimes the less options you actually have available to you because you're in a tighter and tighter and tighter spot. Um, so anytime you're start really starting to where your focus is daily is cash and how you're going to pay everybody and who are you? We're not going to pay, Well, we have to pay this people because we didn't pay them last month. It's probably a good time to start to reach out to one of us. So licensed insolvency trustees were regulated by the federal government. Typically initial consultations, I know with MNP are, are free of 
charge. So come get some information. We can give you some tips to lead you into have you looked at all these things. Actually, if you just, you know, we can just do a quick look, a quick review of things, give you some suggestions and, and, or, Hey, like maybe we can do kind of a proposal to kind of put everybody on hold for a little bit. Yes. get build up some cash then we'll pay you know so there's so many options Beautiful. if we meet sooner so uh so reach out pamela i know we're putting your contact information in the show notes below so as you're watching this if you need to reach out with pamela or to pamela her information is down there um but let's do a quick tap out we're going to take a quick intermission we're coming back for two more segments with pamela the next one is going to be about managing the debt that you have right now. What can we do to, uh, to, to really just start getting your hands in there, seeing it for what it is and dealing with it. And then our last segment is going to be some of the, uh, the, the alternative options, kind of the, the last resorts, if you will, uh, that Pamela can share with us. So there's lots of options here. This Again, this is not intended to put you into panic zone and high alert. This is intended to get you to take action, take ownership of your numbers. There's a way through all of this. There is a light at the end of the tunnel, but you have to take action. You have to start looking at, at the reality of your situation regardless of, of what that is. So thanks for watching. Um, please uh, join us for the next segment. But before you go, make sure that you're downloading all of the, uh, the playbooks, the free tools and resources. I know we have a debt calculator there for you. And um, go grab a cup of coffee, come back and catch us for segment two, which is all about managing your debt. We'll see you in a bit. Bye for now. All right, founders, welcome back. We are here for part two of dealing with debt. Uh, we are joined by Nail the Number Pro, Pamela Meager, Senior Vice President with MNP Limited. And Pamela just shared with us some really important insights on understanding the costs of debt and the obligation of debt. So if you haven't watched that, go back and watch part one. But now part two, we're going to start talking a little bit about managing the debt. Managing the debt that we have now, what we feel is manageable and, and really kind of the steps that we can take to, um, uh, to, to take control, right? I, I always say fear is usually rooted in uncertainty and anxiety is rooted in inaction. So small little baby steps to piece this together. So just to recap, in that first section, we talked about all the different types of debt that there are. As we start to look at managing debt, Correct me if I'm wrong, Pamela, but I think probably the first step in all of this would be to list out what debt you have to actually see it for what it is and put it all in front of you as stomach turning as that might be for a lot of people. I don't know if you have any advice on that. And if you think that is the first step, what are your thoughts on that? I think that's 100% right. It's daunting, whether it's, you know, your business or your personal finance. No one really wants to look at that whole picture and add up numbers because it sounds better with just a little bit everywhere. Um, but unfortunately, that doesn't necessarily set you up for paying the less interest as possible. Ultimately, that's everybody's goal. I don't want to pay any interest at all, but obviously that's not a reality. Um, so being ahead of that is really understanding that. And I teach it in um, my personal finance stuff that I work with or in the corporates that they're very interchangeable, obviously just different levels. Beautiful. And so really listing out um, 
you know, your obligations to Canada Revenue Agency, you know, they have their interest rate changes, but it is for or sorry, right now, I think it's 5% interest compounded daily. Um, and just simply failing to file a GST return could add more interest and plus a failure to file a fee. So something that can start quite small um, can add up quite yeah, so even if you can't necessarily pay it because things are a little tight, filing it on time, you're going to get out of probably a filing fee, a late filer fee, and interest on that late filing fee. Mm -hmm. So you can't pay it, say, at $100. Well, 150 is not going to help you, right? right. So Yeah, my mind is still um, on 5% compounded daily. Sorry. <laughs> My mind got stuck there for a moment. Um, so uh, for those of you that are watching or listening right now, please, in the show notes below, you're going to see there's a debt calculator there. Please download that tool because in it, you can list the debt. Uh, it'll ask you for the interest rate. And then obviously, you're, you know, um, ask you for the payments that you're making right now. And it'll show you how much you're paying in interest on some of these things. I have to say, it's one of my favorite exercises because yes, it's daunting going into it, but it lights a fire under the butt. When you see what you're paying in fees and interest, it's a game changer. So go do it, go take action, get that done. Okay, so we get our list done. Yeah, get our list done. Then what do we do with that list? What should we do next? You should really look at your higher interest rate debts first, obviously, because they're the ones that are going to, if you're paying the minimum, you're just spinning the wheels. You're actually not necessarily making any headway and maybe actually going backwards, but you feel like you're doing okay because you're making the payment. But what an adjustment $100 could make to that debt, right? So um, as far as just putting it in, play around with your debt calculators and say, okay, I'm paying 400 a month, but what if I paid 500? And it becomes very apparent what you should be doing. Um, so it doesn't mean you have to double your payment by any means or dump everything to one payment, but really playing with the number as far as, is it $50 more? Is it a hundred? Okay. But I can't do any this month. Then I'm paying at least the minimum. Right. So really understanding what that cost of debt interest is one thing that people get about. So okay. I, I see some loans that are um, pretty egregious to, to be honest, then when you're having a 50% interest rate, 30% interest rate, you know, um, and it is right in the documents, it will say you're borrowing 10,000, but you're going to pay back 28. Sorry, 50, 50%? Yes. I, I, so a lot of people who are desperate are maybe not ideal candidates for premium lenders anymore, right? Because things are tight. The numbers don't we, you all know you have to show those numbers. They have to have the ratio and everything for, for you know, a tier one lender. But yeah. when you get tight spots, you these people are smart. They know this is not a good thing to do, but the only thing they think of is saving. They got to save the business, right? Yeah. Make yeah. sure so they will do those types of loans. So really, really watching that. And that goes right back to that point of talking to someone sooner so we can keep you out. Cause that is a bit of a, that's a bit of a, a hurricane. You're, you're getting kind of sucked down the middle. Yeah. Desperation is not a good place to, to come from. Right. I think you, we were chatting about this before um, three big issues impacting the bottom line, obviously the caring costs, ability to borrow and emotional and psychological distress going. Yeah. It's hard to run a business, let alone, you know, 
piece it together through a pandemic when you're going through all of this. But you, you brought up a really interesting point, and I'm I I I'm, I apologize in advance because I'm jumping back to the first segment. But when we talk about the costs of debt, we didn't even talk about our credit score and our credit bureau, and that carrying that, and even just the utilization of the debt we have and then the impact on that score. And you talked about ability to borrow because of the, the liens against some of those assets, but you're just bringing up another really important point about understanding that, you know, the, the debt that we have impacts the interest that we pay on future loans, not just in the business, but in our, in our personal life as well. So I'm hearing, we get the list done. We yeah. then we figure out, okay, how are we going to start attacking this debt and, and getting this dwindled down? We talked a little bit about interest rates. One question before I ask you another question about prioritizing, but on interest rates, what is the feasibility, do you think, these days of founders actually calling the lender and trying to renegotiate an interest rate? Maybe on a line of credit or credit card, maybe on a I think that's a wonderful idea. I always encourage people to do that. What is the worst that's going to happen? They're going to say no and you continue to pay 15% or five or seven or whatever. 50. <laughs> right? Like take any of it, right? So yeah, okay. you make a call and you get it reduced to 12 from 15. Again, just plop that into your debt calculator. You know where you need to be, right? Beautiful. And if you're looking at your cash flow projections, if you start to play with interest rates, that'll give you a, a target as to, okay, if I can get to these, my three biggest and get that re interest reduced by 2%, my projections become, and that's a selling point to say to the lender, yes, you're not getting this extra 3%, but I, I'm going to be able to get this taken care of. I'm going to be able to carry on. Like it, it's, it's my cash flow is going to be a lot better, a stronger position that'll leave me in a position to ensure that everything is, all my obligations are taken care of, right? So Beautiful. you don't want to go into the bank and just simply say, I want a lower interest rate. Show them why. Show them that you've done your homework. Show them that you're looking at everything. You're just not focused on one thing. And it gives the bank a bit of confidence to know you're actually looking at your business as a whole, Beautiful. not at their loans and that really provides confidence to lenders when they know you're you're aware of all your other obligations show them your sheets show them what you're working on talk to them right doesn't necessarily mean you want to go in full bore and open everything but really giving them a snapshot as to what you're seeing why you feel this is important and this is why you're asking I think that's a really important point because it's it's not about necessarily having all the answers Right. When we write a business plan, we do a SWOT analysis, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats. The plan never goes according to plan. Never, ever does it ever go according to plan. But it's about showing people that you're prepared for any potential eventuality that might come in. And just like you said, it's about seeing the numbers with the vast majority of founders out there not even looking at numbers, right? Abdicating versus delegating, turning to their bookkeeper and accountant saying, how long do we have? What's our runway? Not yeah. knowing it, not doing the costs. Lenders, I think, especially now through COVID, given the weight of the and the gravity of our, our financial situation, not just for the founder, but for our country, mm -hmm. are going to be doing a lot of due diligence going forward. So letting them know that you're working through all of this. Scenario one is this, scenario two is this. Yeah. So with that being said, I think I'm going to pop in here too and just say that we'll, uh, we'll add a cash flow template to our tools. So, you know, to your point, Pamela, Pamela, it's not about just understanding the interest that you're paying, but what does that 
impact if you're able to, to turn down a couple of points or if you need to miss a payment here and then add three on the end, what does that start to look like? Um, and this might be an interesting point just to, to uh, you know, I'm thinking again with my lender's cap on, uh, we, would, we, would, we would lend to young entrepreneurs that were getting started in business, 18 to 39. And just like you said, the advice was, if something should come up, give us a call, because it wasn't just about renegotiating interest, it was about renegotiating payments. And if they needed a window, a breathing space, you know, three months, six months to get things back on track, as a lender, it gave us the opportunity to hopefully, you know, have a win-win there versus a guaranteed loss. Yeah. Right? And do you see that a lot with the founders you work with? Yeah, absolutely. And and they get nervous about talking to the banks because sometimes they, um, they know their business. And I love the passion that when these people come in and they start talking about what they did, it, it's it's amazing. Like I, their compassion is amazing too. And it just lights up a room. Like they, they're so happy, but the numbers makes them very nervous. So that's probably one of the things I was, I would say to people become, I, you don't need to go be an accountant or do any of, um, but really be get comfortable with the numbers. Um, ask your accountants lots of questions. Make sure you understand what is going on. Don't just be reliant on a bookkeeper because that can also lead to issues. I see that often, right? So get involved with the numbers, although it's probably not their sweet spot else they would have done something in numbers. Like they like to be out there selling, building, making, you know, they mm -hmm. do what they love. Um, who doesn't? Again. But right. So, but it just becoming, it doesn't mean you have to be in it and every day, but really understanding your numbers is, is really, really important. Yeah. I always say to, to founders, like be able to defend the why, why did you do it? Right. And it's not because so-and-so told me to do it. It's like, that, mm -hmm. option one was this option two was this. So we went with this option and it might not have worked, but here's the rationale behind, behind the, behind the decision. Um, oh, you brought up so many good points there too. So what, triggered when you were talking about this, where my mind went with this as well, when we were talking about listing all the debt, don't forget to list source deductions with CRA. I know we talked about the GST and the, you know, the income taxes and the personal taxes, but I oftentimes see these source deductions as a, oh, we got to catch up on those. Although usually they're pretty good. Every three months, you usually get that call. Where are you at? Right. And so uh, that tends to help. Okay. So back to managing, we've got our list now. Uh, first step is, is looking at the interest. Where can you start to mitigate some of that interest? Maybe renegotiating some of the, the principal payments on those loans as well. But let's talk about prioritizing because you mentioned this, you really um, honed in on this in the first segment. There are some debt that come with stiffer consequences like shutting down your account, which would completely stop your operations altogether. Um, so prioritizing the debt, right, with respect to maybe who's got the biggest bite, like who can have the biggest impact on your business. CRA, anybody you can think of after that? So if CRA comes first. Yeah, and your provincial regulatory body for here, okay. it's our PST. So they okay. have, um, and they've been fairly aggressive in our province lately. So okay. make sure you're aware of those. Those ones have the immediate um, garnishee available. Okay. Now that doesn't mean you owe today they're going to garnish you tomorrow they will reach out to you they will try to work something out with you so again that communication piece is key okay. but understanding where you're at and then 
almost if you have, you should have online access to all those accounts through the, the website through Canada Revenue Agency, but really watching that because they can add in fees, they can add in non-filing fees, late filing fees, penalties, interest, this, that, like they can, the fees can really add up. So you could be thinking, okay, I only owe 20 grand. I can catch that up in month two, three. Well, but that 20 grand by the time it gets there is actually 30 now, right? So just if you can't pay them or you're making payments towards it, Really watch that those accounts monthly to make sure they're not adding in those fees. They have they they don't they don't give you a warning saying they're going to add in these fees. They will just simply you will see them on your statement of account. Wow. So being aware of those because something where you've budgeted or in your projections you've thought okay it's twenty I'll do five grand a month till it's paid and you think month ten you're paid or whatever it is but it okay I still got you know five thousand left where did that come from? Yeah. right? Just staying on top of those running totals. Then I would start to look at, uh, obviously, your secured debt you need to be aware of as well. So that's the stuff where assets are pledged. Is, so, is this the personal guarantees that you're referring to? There are potentially personal guarantees on this, but it would say, okay, um, I have a trucking business. If I don't make my lease payment, they can't get my truck. So obviously, those are key. Okay indicators. So making sure your projections reflect that. Then you kind of get to your accounts payables, um, your lease of your, maybe your um, commercial space, whichever. You really want to look at that. And, and I would say there, we call them um, like key, key suppliers. So who do we need? Well, you need them all, obviously, else you wouldn't have used them. Um, but okay, if I don't have fuel for my semi, I have no business. So kind of looking at that rate. From an operational perspective. Yeah. Who do we need to ensure we have? And I'm not saying don't pay everybody because obviously you want to look at that. I would also indicate either through some sort of way where you do have a personal guarantee as well. So you're aware of where those are at and they're very easy to indicate. Like when you look at uh, your payables, Kate, I got a personal guarantee there, there, where are those totals at? And that's just from an own owner's perspective is just being aware where your liabilities are lying. Okay, perfect. Most of the time your operating line will have a personal guarantee as well. So just, it's not saying they take a higher priority, just know and know if there's a limit. So that sometimes I'll always ask people, Do you have, is there is a limited personal guarantee? I don't even know, right? So trying to find out if there's a limited or unlimited. Initially, if it's a brand new, it's probably unlimited. Okay. All right, Pamela. So what I'm hearing in managing, just to go through this list again, get all your debt down in one place, list it all out, understand the interests and the costs consequences of yep. each one of these pieces. Then we take a look at the interest, see if we can make any calls, renegotiate interest, renegotiate payment plans, look at the principal. Um, sorry, look at the uh, look at the prioritization of, like you said, we've got. You know, we've got different lenders that can have uh, different impacts in the business. And out of all of this, well, I guess one other thing is that I'm hearing get all of this into a plan. So it's not just your debt calculator, but understand how all of the, um, dare I say restructuring, but the managing of the debt is going to impact that bottom line. And mm -hmm. then maybe most, maybe most importantly, out of this segment, I'm hearing communicate, 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 talk to these people, let them know where you're at, regardless of your situation, 
right? There's a lot of people struggling right now. This isn't going to be new to them or a surprise, right? No. And no. find win-win-wins out of all of this. Yeah. And obviously you want to take care of everybody. So if the, you will actually be more successful if you can have these and then creating those projections um, out, you know, six months, but then actual putting your actuals in and then adjusting, continuing to adjust your projections. A lot of people will just do like a month or two out, but you need to get out there because there's some that are maybe only semi-annual payments. And so, and it really just helps the owner. Okay. Like I have to ensure I have an extra six grand because that payment is coming up or like that's a $30,000 payment coming up in three months. It just, it takes the surprise out of your, your business that month. Yeah. Cause if you're already a little bit stressed, the last thing you need is a surprise. Absolutely. Um, and so making the projections and adjusting as you go and keeping going with them and they don't have to be anything fancy at all. Right. Just, Keep updating and put in actuals as the month goes and then adjust accordingly. And it'll stop you from consuming your brain all day. So you could actually run a successful business because you know, you've looked at it. And even if you're stressing out a little bit, you can come back, look at your list of your things, you're back on track, you know, and you carry on, right? It just, you know, you don't have to remember everything. Stay calm and carry on, stay calm and carry on. And you're right. I think just getting the numbers in front of you and on a sheet, get them out of here, get them on there, curbs the anxiety. You can say, okay, here's exactly. And then I think communication, like you said, it, it, it curbs the anxiety too, because a big part of that stress is not communicating that story. And once you communicate it, now you're in it together, right? Now everybody knows exactly where you're at and it's about trying to find a solution that, uh, that everybody will win. All right, everybody, that is segment two. We are coming back for um, for segment three, which are kind of, you know, our alternative options. If you can't manage your existing debt, what can you look at? Um, so we're going to tap out here for a brief moment. As always, download the tools. We've got the playbook and the worksheets and the workbooks for you down in the show notes. And just uh, wanted to reach out again to um, and, and just give a, a hats off to our episode champion community, uh, community futures of, um, of Manitoba. And uh, they've got 16 offices across the province um, in rural Manitoba to support business owners through this process. So uh, thank you again for the great work that you do. And Pamela, I'll see you back here for segment number three, which is all about exploring our options. We'll see you back here in a bit, everybody. Bye. Founders, welcome back. We are back for segment three. Pamela is still with us. She's a trooper. She's she's given a lot of time and energy to this episode today. And so thank you, Pamela, because I know this is a it's a it's a stressful subject for a lot of people. And I know there's a lot of founders going through um, debt concerns right now and how to service all of this. And if they aren't now, they might be trying to figure out how do we start managing this if the lockdowns come back and Right. So mm -hmm. just lots of uncertainty now. So thanks for making the time to be here. No problem. Okay. So segment three is exploring our options now. If we feel like managing the debt that we have now, if we can't see the light at the end of the tunnel outside of trying to renegotiate the interest and renegotiate those payments, 
if it's just too much, and I don't know if you can answer what is too much, how, how does someone know when to, when to, you know, actually explore these options, but I guess what are the options and what does it look like? How would they actually start to start to proceed with exploring those options? Well, the, the key is, is talking to someone as soon as you, there's no exact time. So it's when you feel, you know, you aren't going to be able to make your major payments in a month. It could be, you're already behind. It's, it's really up to that person. And, and it, it is one of the most difficult calls you will make because it feels like you're going to quit. Um, because you think it's going to be the end. Um, please do not think that. Um, please ask for help and, and please ask the right people for help. Um, there is a lot of people out there who think they know, who maybe went through it. It's a very different process um, depending on the business you have, the type of debt you have, the type of personal guarantees you have, and it is very different by province. So making sure you're speaking with someone who is within your province that understands your type of businesses and we have offices across Canada so no matter where you are we can help and we want to help people through these times there's a lot of options available I think to your sorry Pamela sorry to cut you off uh, I think too to your point is that it's it's um, it's never too early right to reach out so even in that managing debt stage you said the the calls to MNP at least are, are complimentary mm -hmm. and uh, so never too early that's right, because if we are going to go through this process with you, and as we are regulated by the federal government, we have to provide all options, just not what us as licensed trustees can do. We have to provide you with all the options that we see. So we can't just say liquidate because we can do that. Well, actually, have you considered this, doing this, then that, and then see how it goes. Okay. And giving them all those options outside of the ones that we can, we have to execute. But if we say anything else, we're going to connect you with people we've worked with in the past that have helped other companies or anything like that. We're going to get you everything. We ultimately want us to be the very, very last option. We want to know we've exhausted everything else. And this is what we actually have to do going forward. So what are the options? Like where, where would they, what would be, uh, what would be the least traumatic of all the options as you start to kind of go through the list now, where would people start? Well, a lot of the times, so where, I, where we have success is a lot of people right now are running into cash flow issues. So we have what are called proposals. There's kind of lots of legal stuff around it, but proposals are options where we can say, okay, all the accounts payable, on the unsecured side. So we can't interfere with your secured creditors. So we need to understand those and we have to understand our, our Canada Revenue Agency debt as well because they have certain rules as well. So that's something we would talk about mutually. But if we feel we can handle the secure debt and or liquidate some of those assets to reduce payments and develop a strategies and stuff with that, look at our CRA debt, making sure we can comply with what we need to there. But with the unsecured debt, what we have is these proposals that say, okay, everyone back off for six months, a year. Um, I've done all kinds of things on a corporate side, on a personal side, you know, back off till I finish my divorce, back off till we do a settlement, back off till I sell my business, and then I'll pay, then there's a payment. So we can do settlements where you get a legally what's called a stay of proceedings. So it's kind of a bubble. So in that bubble, the legal action is stopped, the interest is frozen, 
and allows you to do what you already say you're going to do, whether it's operate, to sell, to do this, just to build up some cash flow to allow you to do your settlement. But it freezes all the debt, which is ideal. And so you can do settlements where it's say, okay, everyone will get 20 cents on the dollar of the unsecured. We can do 50 cents. I've done it where people pay 100 cents back, but they just need a little bit of time and the interest and the collection activity to stop so that he can operate. Can I, can I ask, the, what is the cost of that? Not the, not the physical cost, but how does that impact the, the credit score then? Is that recognized as a judgment on our credit bureau and does it actually impact the, the score, the beacon? Yeah, it would absolutely affect your credit score. Um, it would show up, proposals are R7s, bankruptcies are R9s. But if you've obtained a judgment and someone has sued you, it's no different. Then, so your credit score has already been damaged. Okay. If someone's got a judgment against you anyways. So here there's just no end with the judgment because they can just keep okay. attacking. Okay. With a proposal, they'll get the R7, but the creditors can't continue to attack you. You get but just just to be clear, we don't need to wait for the 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 judgment or the suit to be filed for us to take action on a consumer proposal. We can be proactive, correct? Absolutely, yeah, yeah, and that's it, I would say because once you get issued a statement of claim, that's the start of us someone suing you. You have depending where you are, twenty to thirty days before anything legal happens. That that one hundred percent is a time to be talking to somebody. Um, but if that's already happened, we can still stop it once it's already happened as well. Okay. Getting in before is ideal. Okay. So consumer proposal, option number one. Right? Yes. And again, it may be, right? It, it's, this is all hypothetical and we're just kind of running through some scenarios. Everybody's situation is very different. Absolutely. Um, yes. So consumer proposal, what would another option look like? Um, the other options is, so proposals, we can just simply put them on hold to operate or put them on hold to help you liquidate. And because you won't, you know, if you liquidate, you're not going to have enough money to pay everybody. That's okay. A proposal can take care of that because we pay on a pro rata basis. So you don't have to worry about deciding who to pay. Legally, we can take care of all of that for you. So sometimes that's advantageous. And just depending how dire the straits are, um, the bankruptcy is the other option. So if it's a bankruptcy for a corporation, that won't affect your personal credit rating. It's a bankruptcy for an incorporation. Can you just clarify the difference between insolvency and a bankruptcy? Sure. Insolvency is just the process of what I do, like the Bankruptcy and Insolvency Act. Gotcha. So it's unable to pay your debts as they become due is the legal definition of okay. it. Um, to be honest, most people are insolvent. If you don't pay off your credit card in full and all your other debt every month, you're probably insolvent, right? Um, but it, that doesn't mean anything. But bankruptcy is an actual legal, legal act. Yes. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So you do have to be insolvent to be bankrupt, but it, okay. to be insolvent doesn't mean you are bankrupt. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. All right. Inability to pay down that. Yes. That's a, that's a scary idea to think about how many people are actually insolvent right now. Right? Most people are. And like I said, it's not something to panic or hit the button on. Most people just carry some debt and, it, and that's right. perfect. But, yeah. you know, you, you, bring up a, you bring up a good point, which is, um, you know, having gone down this road before, uh, that um, 
you know, I feel that COVID right now really is a catalyst. It, it didn't cause the financial vulnerability. It just exposed it. And this is the time now we have a decision. We have a choice to make as to whether or not we choose to learn from this and do things differently, right? But it's human nature. It's the way our brain is wired, unfortunately, that we don't do what needs to be done until our back is against the wall. And the only way forward is to actually move through this dirt and uncomfortableness and, you know, the, the anxiety of it all. So, um, okay. So those are two options and maybe, so the two options, just to clarify again, we've got the consumer proposal and we have the bankruptcy um, for the business, maybe depending again on those personal guarantees and how many assets, what your assets look like in your personal life might be hmm, taking a lot of the time. We, yeah. Them. Okay. Yeah, so a lot of the time with corporations, we're like, okay, well, there's really nothing here. Once the secured creditors take all their assets, there's really nothing left there. Right. So now the creditors are going to take and enforce their personal guarantees and jump over to the director or whoever provided that personal guarantee. Okay. That is where we see a lot of the bankruptcies come from. Okay. So again, bankruptcy provincially can be very, very different. In Saskatchewan, um, you're allowed equity in your home up to $50,000 per person. You're allowed a personal vehicle of $10,000 free and clear per person. Your RRSPs are exempt. Life insurance policies. There's some rules. Um, okay. RSPs, if you've done major contributions in the last year, they get looked at, but we review all that with you before you do anything. You're not getting um, wiped out. Right? No, no. So I know a lot of people with this fear again, it's, it's, um, it's the unknown. And so a lot of people are so stuck right now thinking about the future and this worst case, the worst case really is the bankruptcy, right? If you have your health, you can still do something right. But the, you know, a, a lot of people are seeing the worst case, not thinking about the health and then not really understanding what it means. And so I love that you've just brought this up that you know you get to maintain a portion of the equity in your home, you get to maintain the vehicle, you get to maintain a piece of these, these RSPs. So think through that, because hopefully that will help to dissipate some of the angst and, and stress that you're carrying with the debt that you have. Lots of people just don't want to make the call because I don't want to lose everything. Yes. Hey, let's go through it all though this call means nothing like it doesn't mean you're bankrupt it doesn't mean anything it just means right. you and tell me your assets tell me what's associated with it and then I'll tell you exactly how it's going to fit you right. are going to know exactly how it's going to affect every asset every everything before you do anything with us so don't worry about any surprises I don't want surprises I don't want to call and tell you about surprises and People don't want to be told about a surprise after they've already signed because there really is no button. Once you hit that button, you can't say, oh, I shouldn't have done that. Okay. It's very it, it's very difficult to undo if not for a very significant reason. So okay. we do want to ensure people are aware of that before anything goes forward. And um before we uh before we wrap, can you just um can you explain what's happening in this world of receivership because I know we're looking at what options do we have a lot of people might be hearing this word receivership out there and maybe just clarifying that for founders that are listening in 
Absolutely. So a receiver, you'll probably see a lot more of it. There's a lot more of them happening right now. Um, but receiverships are, are driven by the lender. So this is typically where the lender is calling your operating line or they called on your major loan that you have and they said, okay, we're, we unfortunately we can't carry on our relationship. We're enforcing our security where it takes a majority of that company's assets back. So that's where the lenders would reach out to us as trustees and say, okay, well, you go in as a receivership for this business. Receiverships are lender driven, but they're very similar. Like they can go, we can simply just go in to liquidate the company or we can go in to liquidate or to, sorry, operate to sell it. So obviously selling a business for that's operating or or had going concern is better than one not operating but that's something once we go in and and usually the owners are engaged to help um who knows that business better than them so a lot of this stuff is getting initiated by no one's fault except you can't operate a business if you have no cash flow coming in right now I imagine that's probably a big, uh, big flag right now for many businesses through the pandemic, right? Like you mentioned at the beginning, cash flow is a big issue for a lot of businesses. Yeah. So, you know, it's not ever easy to work with people, but this is adding a whole other twist for us as trustees as well. These, um, you can usually pick out kind of what, where maybe things went a little off track. Uh, And sometimes it's unknown to hindsight right but um this one is like it doesn't matter what they do if you have no cash you can't do and so they're working with the lenders and and doing can but at some point the lender knows they have to do something too so um don't be afraid to have those conversations with the bank if they're calling and talking about that engage your counsel or call a trustee if you're getting these letters so that we can get you in contact with counsel who is familiar with this type of work because that is key making sure you're speaking to the right people there's a lot of business lawyers aren't always as familiar with the insolvency stuff insolvency law as an insolvency lawyer so making sure you're engaging the right people is is key again reaching out to a trustee we are not lawyers for sure but we definitely have those relationships with the lawyers that um, can assist you through this because this is nothing you've been through before. So we want to make sure you have the right people in your corner. And, and yeah, exactly. I think you just nailed it there. The, the right people in your corner, right? Like a, mm-hmm. an advocate. It sounds like you would be an advocate for the founder coming in. You've got someone on your sides, not that we're taking sides, but you're not alone. And I think that's a big thing for founders is that, you know, growing a business, let alone having to deal with the debt piece now, you do feel quite isolated, right? Especially if you don't have partners. So um, it's so important to reach out to Pamela's point and don't leave it to the end, like reach out now. Pamela's information is down below. Reach out to her if she's not the one for you because of the, the, the territory or the province that you're calling from, she'll find somebody to, uh, to connect you with. And Pamela, thank you for putting you know, a, a, a voice to all of this. Thank you for, for lending your, your face and your expertise to this subject because you're right, I think a lot of people are really quite intimidated. And now that they can hear you and see you and kind of piece all of this together, makes it a lot easier. I hope it makes it a lot easier to make the call. I know it would for me, knowing that there's a soft spot to land on the other side of all of this. So thank you. You've given us a lot to think about, a lot to digest. Um, Thank you, founders, for watching, for listening, however you're observing this content. 
Um, thank you again to our episode champion, Community Futures. Thank you for all that you do and the support that you are uh, you're giving our founders through this uh, through this crazy. I, I know I don't want to say unprecedented because I know that's one of the least favorite words now. Everybody's <laughs> tired of that word. Um, but uh, but thank you for being there. I feel like. Yeah, I feel really like you guys are our first responders, right? You are the triage to founders that are trying to, you know, pump life back into their business. So there's a full circle moment from our talking about our, our EMS at the beginning now to our, our end. So thank you again. Please don't forget to download the tools. They're free um, of charge to you. Pamela, thank you for being here. And founders, as always, please stay strong out there, stay safe and stay financially. All right, we'll see you in the next episode. Bye for now.